What's going on, guys? It's the Founder Hour Podcast. I'm your co-host, Pat. And I'm Posh. And we're here today with Jake Kelfer, best-selling author, entrepreneur. Great to have you on the show, man. Hey, guys. Great to have you here. Great to be on the show. Excited for this. Love it. Love it. Well, let's get, let's get it going. What we like to do is uh, always kind of start from the, from the beginning, the genesis, kind of get a sense of like your background and upbringing, and then we can kind of get into what you're doing now. So uh, tell us where you grew up, what life was like as a kid. We'll go from there. For sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I'll say, you know, I've been very blessed. I'll start off by that. I have two amazing parents. I'm sure I'll bring them up multiple times today. I have a younger brother who's amazing. Grew up in Santa Clarita, California, up by Six Flags. That's how most people know about it, the roller coaster. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, growing up, everything was about sports, academics, and family. And growing up, I wanted to be, you know, the next Magic Johnson. I modeled my basketball game after him. I wanted to be like Steve Nash. That's, that was the dream, right, to play in the NBA. But as a 5'8 white Jewish kid from the suburbs, you know, that dream ended a little bit earlier yeah. than I would have liked. And so from there, it just became figuring out, okay, how do I then turn this passion into, into my purpose, into my life's ambition? And, you know, one thing led to the next. And, you know, here we are now where I'm involved very heavily with the NBA Summer League, sports marketing agencies all across the country, and I run the Professional Basketball Combine, which helps NBA draft prospects on their first contract. Yeah. And, and was that the kind of dynamic just within your family or was it just like the whole city as a whole, like your, your neighborhood as far as like, you know, being in the sports and and, and business and all that kind of stuff? Or like, how, how did you even get into it in the first Yeah, I mean, I think it was definitely... A family thing. You know, my family always encouraged me. Both my parents have entrepreneurial backgrounds. Um, and so for them to be able just to encourage me to figure out whatever I wanted to achieve, if they, I wanted to try something, they said, go for it, right? So whether it's playing sports, whether it was being a motivational speaker, whatever I've wanted to do throughout my life, they've always supported me and they said, go for it. You know, if you fail, we still love you, we still support you. And I think that having that understanding of even if you don't make it to where you want to go, you still have that support system and that's what matters, right? And I think that having people, whether it's social connections, whether it's family, whether it's relationships, whatever it may be, those are the things that that drive the happiness factor. So for me, being able to know that I have the support of people that are closest to me, no matter what happens, I've always been willing to pursue things at a higher level because I know that no matter what happens, I'm going to be all right. Yeah, that support system is big for sure. Um, so I know that just like Pat and myself, you went to USC as well. What was your journey like before you got to USC? You know, as a high school student, as a middle school student, what were you like? You know, what was Jake like? What did he enjoy? I know you said sports was a big part of your growing up. You know, did you play sports? Yeah, so I, I played sports, basketball, baseball, football. Those are the big three for me. Uh, you know, when I got to high school, ended up playing on the on the varsity basketball team as a sophomore. Had some great moments, uh, you know, where you live back, you know, hit the game-winning free throw, clock expires, yeah. and that's that moment. Um, but I was always ambitious, entrepreneurial-driven. And, you know, one of the big things for me is I loved math. So I, I, I don't know why, but I thought that math was the greatest thing, numbers. Mm-hmm. My great-grandfather would teach me all these tricks with math, but I loved the idea with numbers of being able to put things together to solve problems. And I think that that love for actual numbers and that desire to want to solve these problems has allowed me to figure out how to build different companies or to be a part of different teams and projects that require not just numbers because those are important, but yeah. the skill sets behind the numbers and the drive behind the why of figuring out this is how we solve X, Y, and Z. And so, you know, if you think about it back when you asked me, you know, middle school, high school, you know, young Jake was just purely an ambitious guy. Young Jake was an ambitious guy willing to do whatever I had to do to get to where I thought I wanted to be. And something that's changed a lot, especially since I graduated from USC, is understanding that this is part of the process, understanding that this is part of the journey. We don't know where life's going to take us. I don't know where I'm going to end up, but I know where I want to go. Mm-hmm. And I have to appreciate all that's accompanying me on this journey to get there. And you know, back in the day, I was definitely more focused on the results. It was all about getting there, and I didn't appreciate the process as much. Right. And I think that that's something as an entrepreneur, as someone where there's a lot of uncertainty when you're doing your own things, is figuring out how do you, how do you pursue greatness while at the same time enjoy the process. Right, where do you want to go? I want to sell out arenas like Tony Robbins. I want to have you know more books that I that I want to write. I got multiple in the works. But you know, for me, the biggest thing is I want to help people achieve personal success and happiness. My mission is to elevate people to achieve personal success and happiness in their life. And you know, I'm 26 years old. I don't have all the answers, and I I, I can't say that I will ever have it. But what I can say is that I'm willing to learn 
listen to the experts, practice everything that I that I take in, and then share that message. Mm-hmm. And if we can do that enough, I think we're going to be able to increase a lot of things that we're trying to within our communities, within our culture, in, in the country of America. Just to go a little deeper, so kind of focusing on that why that you have, why is that your why? Why do you want to elevate people? Why do you want to make people have more personal success and professional success and it might be obvious to folks that are listening it might be obvious to me and you but i don't think it's that obvious i mean why why are you motivated by that why are you not motivated just by your own success and you know achieving your own personal success and then you know impacting people through that way as opposed to you know being the motivational speaker being an author you know what what drives you i think that it stems back to you know my family and this idea that like i said i have two parents that love me right and i think that that's something you know i don't i didn't have any hardships growing up you know the there wasn't anything that trigger moment that was like okay i had this ultimate low and now i'm going to achieve this great great high it's for me this idea of i've been so blessed and so grateful yeah. to live an amazing life up to this point that i want people to experience that same feeling i want them to know what it's like to be loved i want someone to know what it's like to have someone saying you can do it you can achieve what, what you want to set out to achieve. There's going to be obstacles. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. And so when you say, what's your why? To why do I want to do this? Because I would like to see that change. I like to be in front of a crowd of thousands of people, and I like to look in the audience, and I see one person when their shoulder just relaxes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that's that moment. Mm-hmm. Or when someone comes up after you and says, you know, I, I was not thinking about living much longer, but your talk today gave me a little more hope. So when you say, what's your why? It's I just want to be able to share this joy that I have for life with other people and hopefully inspire them to continue to pursue that one act that leads to another. And then that chain kind of snowball effect happens. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, I kind of attribute it to like, I remember being in high school and learning about um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and like how, you know, once you have your love and belonging and like shelter and like the basic foundational stuff, then you can try to, the top is like self-actualization, right? Like really living out your purpose, and so, uh, you know, once you're at that point, that's kind of your no- like your norm. Like that's what you're doing because everything, all the other boxes check off. So, I, I remember being fascinated about that, and um, you know, learning about people who are at that moment in their lives where they're just kind of trying to inspire others and you know bring the best out of society because they feel like they have everything else for themselves, and they're not. You don't have to be greedy at that point, right? You're like, so. Um, at what point did you? Did, was this like a thing for you? Like, when did this become real? Like, was it in high school, middle school, or were you still kind of on a path at that point to do something else? So I thought. I mean, I thought growing up, I was the happiest kid in the world. Like, I thought I was the richest person. You know, depending yeah. on how you wanted to define rich, right? And when I got to USC, as you guys know, there's a different level of money. For sure. There's a different <laughs> level of holy shit. This is USC, mm-hmm. and. After I graduated from USC, my entire viewpoints on money and where I was trajectory, my trajectory was going, everything changed because you have friends that have all the money in the world. Yeah. You have friends that are getting full scholarships. There's a huge spectrum. And for me, though, I, I saw the positives that money could have an impact. I saw the, the positives of money can have on people, but I also saw that money can become a driving force that dictates every decision people make. And for me, it was something that I thought I got to keep up with certain people in certain aspects. But that didn't qualify me as having a rich life. That qualified me as trying to do what other people did. So I think that would make me happy. Mm-hmm. And so something that I've been studying a lot about is this idea of how do you achieve personal happiness, right? Mm-hmm. And what really makes somebody happy? Mm-hmm. And as, I was, as I'm going through this and I'm reading all the books and everything, you know, it's, it's not necessarily having everything that you've ever wanted in a materialistic thing. It's about having experiences, sharing it with people, being grateful for the now and this pursuit of excellence, whatever that may be for you. And so... You know, when I think about it a lot, it really is, you know, an evolution. I think I'm constantly learning every day. I think that um, it's all part of this process um, for me to be able to share what I'm learning along the way. Yeah. And and I don't want to generalize here, but I feel like that's something, that's like a, a, a realization many people have in their 20s, right? Like mid-20s maybe. Like when you're in high school, like you're, you're you, like you said, you're kind of like ignorant of what, what's out there and you're, you're kind of looking at your your own kind of bubble circle and you're like, this is the life, you know, like this is great. And like you're, you have these like big visions and big dreams. And then when people get into like mid twenties, like, and they kind of meet other people and see what like the real world quote unquote is like, then kind of either dreams get crushed or you just like, you lose that whoever you were back in like high school. Right. So how, I mean, like, what have you found out? Like how, how do you, how do you break that? How do you continue to like have that, 
not the same mindset, but that same like fire and energy and not kind of let society and like even going to college and that kind of stuff like change you. I think it's hard. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a hard and it's a challenge. I, you know, if, if there was one simple answer, then I think that we'd be having a completely different conversation here. Yeah. But I think that's one of the things that makes it so exciting is we all have different personalities. We all have different stories. We all have different backgrounds. But what's really unique and fascinating about this thing is we can all take simple steps that will help our stories come to fruition, help us write that next chapter. And so, you know, for me, it was taking certain daily actions that really started to change things, getting my routines dialed in, starting to focus on gratitude, starting to focus on exercise, meditation, journaling, whatever it may be, intentional acts of kindness, random acts of kindness, whatever it is. And those types of things increased my overall well-being. So it was about last September, I first heard of this guy named Sean Acor. Sean Acor wrote The Happiness Advantage. He's a positive psychology expert, brilliant, brilliant person. And he wrote about these five things to live a happier life, very simply. And it's gratitude, it's journaling, it's exercise, it's meditation, and it's random act of kindness. Those five things, if you do them every day in some capacity, should increase your overall level of happiness. I said, okay, let's see it. Let's see how this really works. And then from there, what can we do from there? So I started implementing all these things and I started to figure out, okay, what's my morning routine need to be? And how is that going to impact it? When am I going to do my gratitude? And I had to figure out what part worked really for me because, you know, the way somebody else may do it wouldn't work with my schedule. It wouldn't work with my ambitions of being in my, my home office where I spend the majority of my time. So the question was, how do I put it into my schedule that makes sense for me to get me to where I want to go? And so I've changed up habits. I've changed up everything. And now I'm getting to a point where I can say with 100% certainty that doing a variety of these activities every single day has drastically increased my well-being on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate to play devil's advocate here, but going to law school has made me much more of a cynic. Um, but, you know, I've heard, I've heard that. I know a lot of people that have this morning routine, and we've had several people on our show as well. One that comes to mind, I think, is Steve O'Dell, who does some form of this. Yeah, Steve O'Dell. Um, uh, you know, do you know Steve? He's the founder of Tenzo Tea, Matcha Tea. Yep. Um, yeah, he's... So yeah, he does, he, like, the whole read, recite, repeat. Yeah. There's another one that I can't remember. But read, it's part of his write, Read. Write, repeat, or something like that. Walk, recite, or something like that. Something like yeah. that. Something like that. Anyways. But, so, you know, kind of going back to this whole, you know, routine of gratitude and random acts of kindness and you know, this morning routine that really kind of helps you start off your day, it almost gets me thinking that, you know, for folks like us that are sitting on this table and perhaps a lot of folks that are listening to us, you know, that's a little easier. You know, we have, you know, good families for the most part. We have good jobs. We have that, you know, we have things that allow us to kind of keep going. But then there's a whole other population out there that doesn't have that, right? And perhaps they do still have things to be grateful for, but they don't have the i don't know the motivation or whatever it may be to kick off their days that way and their struggles far outweigh the great things that they're grateful for whether it's their health their you know the lack of wealth whether it's the lack of shelter whatever it may be you know so it almost to me seems like we're in this kind of bubble where you know we're we're capable of doing this right we're 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 more i can't remember the word here but we are in a place that things like this, like, you know, methods and, you know, philosophies like this impact us more when you are in a place of comfort, essentially. So for folks that aren't in that position, for folks that, you know, don't have moms and dads, that don't have a place to live, that don't have the education that we have, the jobs that we have, how does something like that apply to them? Like, how do we focus on, you know, building that population as opposed to making this population even better right and i'm not saying that they should be mutually exclusive but i mean what are your thoughts on that yeah i think that's a great another great question coming coming in hot now you know look i like we said i'm very blessed right we're talking about this other population of people that may not have that daily intrinsic motivation where do they get it how do they get it And I think, I think one of the most important things, you know, when you talk about this is, is relationships. Mm. It's single-handedly telling somebody to know that they matter. Because at the end of the day, all we want to do is feel that we're loved, that we matter, that we belong, that we, are, that we are worthy to be here in a day-to-day basis. And that can start the education system. It can start in your family. It can start wherever. But there's always going to be somebody that's out there in your life. And maybe you don't have it currently, but there's always going to be somebody that's willing to give you that extra boost, willing to show you how you can go about doing this. Now, you might say, well, how do you find that person, right? But I think, you know, when, you, when it comes down to it, we don't know what we don't know. Right. And so that's why I do what I do, because if I can go to a school or if I can go to an organization or if I could talk to foster youth and I could say, hey, you guys, you matter. 
Yeah. You're amazing. You're loved. Sometimes all it takes is just one person to tell you that you matter, that you belong. And I think that if we can start to give people that feeling of belonging, that feeling of love, people are going to be more receptive to these methods, to these opportunities that can kind of come to fruition from there. Mm -hmm. But I think when you go simply put, it goes back to, to the fundamental principle of understanding that people are just people. And if we just show somebody that they matter, that they, that they are an amazing person, and we get them to believe that, and it doesn't happen overnight, you can't just tell someone that one time, because then they might say, oh, well, you're just leaving me, you're just buttering me up. It's building these, fostering these relationships with people um, over time, and then giving them tidbits uh, yeah. of advice, of actions that they can take to, to implement everything that I've talked about that I do at the highest level that I, that I can, am capable of becoming. Mm-hmm. So going back to kind of my question about kind of like what inspired you to kind of pursue this path and this passion of yours, was it like one moment or was it like, were you exposed to like a Tony Robbins or, or some, some sort of, uh, you know, method or person that inspired you or was it kind of just a natural curiosity to, I guess, discover more about yourself and what makes you happy and what makes others happy and it's, kind of stuff? to be honest, it's continuous evolution of everything. I think everything has led to another point in my life that's gotten me currently here. And it's going to continue to do that until the end of my time here. And for me though, one of the things that's been really exciting is, you know, being able to combine my passion and we'll talk about exactly where that comes from in a second here, combining my passion of helping people, combining my passion of sports into two, two different entities that all have this mission of elevating people to achieve their highest self. Right. And so for me, when I talk about my motivational speaking or the book writing, the thing that really excites me is the feeling that I get when I give somebody something, mm-hmm. the feeling of giving somebody hope, the feeling of seeing somebody know that their life is better because they had an experience with me in some capacity. And if I can do that on a global scale, just yeah. those simple interactions over time, right. for me, that's, that's everything. It makes me feel like I'm a yeah. million dollars, right? It just makes me feel great about that. And so to be able to, to give somebody that feeling that to me makes yeah. everything always worth it. Right. And and um, I guess thinking back, was there a time or moment where you did do that and you got that kind of, I don't want to call it social validation because I feel like that has like a negative, yeah, like connotation, but like feedback of like, wow, like th- this is actually something I'm good at and I can do and I'm seeing the direct impact it's having and I actually want to do this versus, you know, not if you're not getting feedback along the way, obviously it's really tough to like continuously be motivated you want to see that it's working whatever you're doing um so i don't know was there like a like thinking back was there like one moment there was one early speech that i that i gave that definitely said you're on the right path Mm -hmm. it was a moment where i was talking to a group of community college students and here I was, uh, a year out of a year out of USC. So you're like 21, 22 years. Yeah, old. right out of college, had just spent a year working for the Lakers, written my first book. You know, the school wants me to come talk to them, and I talked to the students. There's maybe 25 students there, and I'm talking, I'm doing my whole spiel. I don't really know what I'm doing, right? Because yeah. you know, it's one of my first gigs. And when I'm there, after this girl comes up to me, she says, "Can I talk to you for a second? Of course, like absolutely, like that's what I'm here for, right? And she starts to cry, and as she's crying. I'm like, you know, what do I do right now? Like, I, I've never experienced this now. She's crying. And she goes, Jake, this means everything to me. What you just said has changed everything. I have to do everything at my home. I take care of my family. I take care of my parents, my siblings. But I, I never want to do it anymore. Why do I get up in the morning to just go through this misery every single day? And she goes, but your talk, the way you talk about people, the way you give me hope, I'm going to keep living. And I'm going to keep doing what you're saying. And that moment right there was one of those moments where you're like, yes, this, this is why I'm going to do what I do because I can have an impact like that. And if that's the only person that's ever felt that way, fine. I may have helped her live a better life. And that's that feeling that we're talking about here, that if I can do that more and more and more, for me, that's satisfaction, that's fulfillment. And hopefully, the person that I give a little bit of hope to will give somebody else a little bit of hope. Mm-hmm. And in a time in the world where mental health and suicide rates and depression, everything's going through the roof. You know, I think 
that we could all use a little more happiness. We could all use a little more positivity. We can all smile a little bit more. Why do we lean away from intentional action instead of turning towards it is the question I always ask people. It's like, you see someone walking down the street, you make eye contact from 40 yards away, but as soon as you get close in the point where you'd actually have that human interaction, you both turn your heads the other way. Mm. You both check your phone. So the question is, why are we turning away instead of turning towards people when we know, and the research will show this, that even talking to strangers just by a little bit will increase your well-being. And so for me, I think that's one of those moments that's transpired into this continuous state of evolution. Right. And like I said, do I know how I'm going to get to the place where I want to go? No. Yeah. But I'm willing to live the journey every single day, doing everything that I possibly can to get to that point. Yeah. And I kind of want to take it a step back because I know we got deep real quick, which is great. <laughs> right. uh, but, you know, in college, you also mentioned that you worked for the Lakers and then you ended up, you know, writing the book. And of course, we want to talk about both. What were you studying at USC and, you know, what was the goal at that moment? And I know you said you worked for the Lakers. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your jobs or internships during college as well. Because I know a lot of folks that listen are in that stage as well where they're trying to figure out what to do with their lives. And, you know, bits and pieces of people's stories, I think, impact them. You know, your story may never be the same as anybody else's. But there might be one thing that they're like, oh, shit, I did that too. And then, like, that led to him doing that and that and that. And now here we are. So kind of give us a story of your, you know, college years and how that has, you know, and how that kind of spilled over into the book. And right. uh, we'll talk about that as well. Right. So when I got to USC, I, I was a business administration major in Marshall School of Business. There we go. There we go. And I was a sports media studies minor and an entrepreneurship focus, emphasis, whatever you want so to call like it. Jeff Bellinzer. And with Bellinzer, yeah. Bellinzer's class? Yeah, one of oh, my favorite classes. Man. We talk We talk to Love this day. Class. Just saw him in Vegas yeah. uh, at NBA Summer he's awesome. League. He's, he's great. Uh, yeah. that, that class was probably one of my favorites that, yeah. that I took at USC. For those that don't know, don't know, Jeff Bellinzer was a former LA Times columnist, right? Writer. Yeah. And very has relationships with everyone in the sports industry. So literally every class, he brings like the biggest people in sports to like just speak to the class. That was the class. Oh, yeah. That he was the class. Like 464, right? Yeah. Something like that? Uh, something like and yeah, that class was amazing. There's 300 people, three hours, yeah. and you just have a guest uh, talking sports, yeah. business, and life. Are yeah. you kidding me? Think like, like think like yeah. Luke, like Bill Walton, Magic Johnson, like Kevin Love, Kevin like Love, everybody, yeah. Keyshawn Johnson. You name yeah, it. Was, it was awesome. Yeah. So so when I got to USC, you know, I, I was studying those things, and, and because, like I said, my basketball career ended short. I chose to pursue academics at USC over trying to play D2 or D3 basketball, and I said. Okay, well, if I can't play, all my friends are playing Division One now, I'm going to be an agent, right? Which was the next logical right. step. So everything I did was to become an agent. I wanted to learn business. I wanted to start businesses. I wanted to become an agent. I thought I was going to be an agent. I was going to make tons of money. And then when I was retired, I was going to write my first book, and then I was going to start speaking. I always knew that was part of the plan. But I thought I had to wait till I had made it before I was willing to or being able to, to get the approval from other people to, to write a book or to, to start sharing messages. And so while I was at school, you know, I did everything that I could to set myself up to, to get a job to be an agent. I worked for Relativity Sports, which is now Independent Sports Entertainment. I worked for Washington Media Group. I was the president of the Sports Business Association. I was willing to do whatever I possibly could um, to set myself up for that success, right? Because you hear everyone and you're in classes and people are saying, well, go network, go do this, go do this. And I was like, okay, if, if you're telling me it works, you're smarter than me, you've experienced it, let me actually go try to implement what you're talking about. And I found that as a college student, you can get access to a lot of pretty cool people by yeah. saying you're a college student, by being ambitious, saying, I want, I want to do this. I yeah. want to try this. If you're this. in college, you got to play that card every single time. If you're in college, <laughs> the minute you graduate from college, it's over. It's, it becomes much more difficult to get in, yeah. right? You, you, you potentially have less fun, right? You're not yeah. doing the college lifestyle anymore. But you, it's much harder to get in because when you're a college student, you seem you're an ambitious you're more, college student, hungry for knowledge, yeah. right? Yeah, you're but, more innocent. Yeah, you're more innocent. There's less of a give, give, give or yeah. take, 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 right? It's just I want information, um, which is the most valuable thing that we can get. And so I was there. I was doing all those things. Um, I'd started my first business my, within the fraternity, starting selling T-shirts and promotional products because that's what my dad does. And you know, I started that business because I didn't have any other expenditures or any costs, startup costs, because I could use all of his materials. And so all these things compounded, and we're getting ready for graduation. And I think I'm going to be working for this agency. I'm like, this is going to be great. We're going to get my career started. And all of a sudden, they say, Jake, we can't hire you. Can't hire you. Can't hire anybody. Um, you know, it's, it's been great having you on board for the last year, year and a half or so. I said, oh, shit. Like, what, what am I going to do now, right? Everything that I had worked up to that point was to be that agent to work for them. And I started looking around and I started, okay, saying, I want to work in sports. I want to work in the NBA. 
So I made a list of every single NBA team that was out there, every single department that I was interested in working in, and then every single person's email that I could possibly find. And then I said, okay, well, how do I get these emails if I don't know them? Well, every team has, you know, the same email format, right? You guys probably have seen this, you know, it's, it's a classic technique. And so I just found one person and then I made a list of everyone else based off the same thing. And if it said did not delivered, I try a different format within the, the confines there. And of course I start with the Lakers. And when I talked to the first person at the Lakers, USC alum, right? Yep. Trying to connect as many dots as possible. Did you guys hear that, by the way? The Lakers, not the Clippers. Yes, Lakers, Lakers. <laughs> I'm a Lakers guy over here. We have, fun fact, the house that I grew up in, my parents, we have a room called the Lakers room. It just painted purple and Amazing. gold. There's memorabilia everywhere. Love it. Like I always say that Kobe Bryant cardboard cutout was one of Love my it. best friends, right? <laughs> it was awesome. And um, so I end up talking with someone from the Lakers and she goes, by the way, we may have an assistant position open uh, you know, for this upcoming season. All right, is this something that you'd be interested in? You seem like you'd be a good fit. I said, absolutely. Assistant for? Assistant for the corporate partnerships divisions for the Lakers. Um, So kind of helping out with their brand activations, their sponsorship sales, et cetera. And I was like, that sounds fantastic. Let Let me give that a shot, right? So I spent the summer doing a variety of different things after graduation. I turned down multiple job offers because for me, I was like, none of these job offers are fulfilling to where I think I want to be fulfilled at. I could have gone to the East Coast to do certain things. I could have worked for several other NBA teams, but I knew that I should hold out. So I actually graduated USC without a full-time job or anything, mm-hmm. saying, I'm going to pursue this path that we'll see where it goes. And the job came in shortly after graduation that I was going to be working for the Los Angeles Lakers. Shortly after that, Kobe announced that it was his final NBA season. Mm-hmm. Now, working in the brand partnerships division, Every game was amazing. Yeah. Like one of my, my main responsibilities was to actually pick the contestants for all the contests, the half court shot, the Toyota mm-hmm. skill challenge, all these really cool things. And it was an incredible way for me to say, okay, I want to be an agent, but I can work for the Lakers. I can have the hell of an experience. I can work for the team during Kobe's last season. These are one of the moments in life where you just say, let's, let's ride. Let's ride with this journey and experience everything. And so I worked with the team, but actually while I was with the team, it wasn't as fulfilling as I thought it was going to be. There were things that I thought um, we could be doing more of that we weren't implementing. And when you work for an incredible organization like the Lakers, there's structure to certain things. But I wanted to do more. I wanted to, you know, I enjoyed picking a contestant. I enjoyed giving somebody who was at a Laker game, making it the greatest experience. They weren't just at a Laker game. They were experiencing Los Angeles and everything that the Lakers could provide for them in that time. And as I started doing that, I was like, I need to figure out a way to help more people. And that led to me writing a sequence of blog posts. And those blog posts were basically designed for my younger brother, who was three years younger than me. So he was a freshman when I was a senior at college. And I said, you know, I'm going to write for all you and all your friends, as well as everyone else in the fraternity. I'm going to teach guys how to get jobs, how to get internships, how to, how to network, how to do all these things that I had practiced and focused on and done, done while I was at school. And after 40 pages, I wake up the next morning. I'm like, oh, shit, no one's reading this. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to read 40 pages of blog posts. Like, I don't even want to read it, right? And... So I meet with a mentor and I'm like, look, I got all this content. What, what am I supposed to do with this? And he says, this is a book. Hmm. I said, I'm 22 years old. And he goes, I don't care. He said, this is a message that I think students will read. He's a professor at UCLA. He said, this is a book that you need to write. He said, go do this, this, and this. Make it happen. I said, done. So I come home that night. I tell my parents, mom, dad, I'm writing a book. <laughs> and they're like, good for you, Jake. Go for it. Right? They're probably like, what are you doing? But I was like, I'm going to do it. So I started writing. Every day I'd get to the Lakers facility at 5.30 in the morning. I'd be in my car typing before the office opened, go to work at the Lakers, come back, keep writing, do everything that I needed to do. And six months after that, Kobe hangs up his shoes, last game ever against the Utah Jazz. Unbelievable game for those Lakers fans, by the way. Like, that was awesome. We're there. The next next week, you know, he retires. I retire. I launched the first book, and the rest has been history since then. Mm. So that's... You know, for me, those moments you of both just launched like, the book. yeah, yeah, <laughs> the, the moments of like retiring the same time as Kobe, launching a book, like life is a game. Yeah. We're just playing it. We might as well have a good time along the ride and see what we can make happen. We might as well take the challenges and, you know, enjoy the success, enjoy the failure, see what's up. But after I write that book, people are like, well, now what are you going to do? Uh, I said, what do you mean? I said, I got the book. They said, well, don't you want to share this message? I said, well, yeah, of course I want to share the message. I go, but I don't know really how to, how to do it. I don't know how to do much. Did you have Facebook a book deal or was it just purely? Self-published it. I said, I got, I use CreateSpace, my Amazon. I was like, you know, I'm just going to get this out there mm-hmm. because I didn't want to, one, deal with probably the rejection of putting a book proposal on how to get a job when I was a year out of college, right? Yeah. And I didn't want to also have to wait to make something like that happen. I said, I have this message. 
there's a way for me to do it. I'm going to do the best that I possibly could to get it out there. And it started to work. I mean, people from all over the world started reading the book. And I was like, holy shit, like this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. How'd they find out about it? It well became, it was Amazon's number one new release. Uh, yeah. Multiple categories became Amazon bestseller um, across the board, Kindle paperback. And that kind of put it on a little great trajectory. And yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, cool. You start to get emails and you're like, whoa, like there's actually something here. Yeah. And then people said, well, now what are you going to do with this message? And I was like, I, I don't really know how to share it more, right? And they said, well, you can be a speaker. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, you can go talk to people. And I said, you know, I've always wanted to be a speaker, but can you actually get paid? Can you make a living from that? And they said, yeah, yeah you, you can make a great living from doing that. And I said, well, I'm a motivational speaker now. Yeah. And then you started to say, well, okay, how do you now go speak to people? How do you get business? What are you going to talk about? And I just went one step at a time. I made another list of everybody that I thought possibly might need someone to talk to. And I just went step by step. And, you know, knowing that a lot of life is based on your relationships. Mm-hmm. I always focused on when I meet somebody and I speak for them to continue that relationship to get the referrals from them because that's how it's going to keep building for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm still figuring out how to continue to make that business even bigger. But it's something that's just been so exciting for me. And it all started with the ability to say, I'm not going to wait for someone to give me permission to take control of my own life. Yeah. And I went for it and I just did it. And you know, here we are sitting in an apartment having a wonderful conversation. Drake, yeah. yeah. what year was this book written? My first book, so Elevate Beyond is the name of the first book, which is all about how to stand out in the job market and discover your passion. That came out in 2016. Okay. That came out in 2016. And then my latest book, Elevate Your Network, came out in October of 2018. Right. So not too long ago. Not too long ago. That one's fresh. That one I've been traveling all over the the country. I even got to go to China to speak on the book, which was an incredible, you know, moment along along the life resume, as people would say. That's just been that's just been a great blessing. So is that solely what you're doing right now? You're just basically promoting the books, or I'm assuming the newest book, and then also continuing to write? Or are there other things that you're also doing? I know you mentioned um, the professional draft combine and that you were working with a lot of sports marketing agencies. Is that something that came alongside the writing of these books? Or was it a separate kind of project that kind of was just more of a passion project that you were working on. Yeah, so so the way I kind of break up my time, right? If we have this this branch's mission of elevating people to achieve personal success and happiness, the question is how do I do it? Mm-hmm. And so I have the books and the motivational speaking, where like I said, I travel all the world, I talk to businesses, I talk to high schools, I talk to college students, leadership conferences, whatever it may be, sharing the messages that are in the book, sharing the messages on the research of success and happiness that that I've studied. And on the same token, I also run the professional basketball combine which helps 24 NBA draft prospects each summer in May, right before the draft in June, um, compete in three-on-three scrimmages, compete in doing all their combine testing, their measurements. It's for guys that were right on the cusp, but maybe didn't get the opportunity, or maybe teams want to get a further evaluation. And so we invite the teams to come watch. We have the agents come, and it's just a great, we have media come, and it's just another event that allows people to be seen in this pre-draft process that benefits everybody. The players get more exposure. The agents get to do things for their clients. The teams get to see 24 players in one location, saving them costs. You know, the media gets to see more action. They get more content. So that's been something that's absolutely incredible. We've been able to debut brand new technology. We've been able to impact the draft process, which is something that's been incredible. Um, you know, we have guys on two-way contract deals. So it's been an incredible stepping stone and launch pad for a lot of the guys that we've had now with over 70 guys coming through the program in three years. Give us like a little bit yeah. more of a deeper insight. Like how did that big, like how did that idea come to be? Right. So, so here we go. Here's the timeline, right? We launched the first book in 2016. At the end of that year, it was like, okay, I'm starting to speak. This stuff's kind of good, but I need to work in sports. Like that's what I wanted to do forever. Right. So I wasn't going to give that up. And, and sorry, you said you left your job at the Lakers. I left for the job the at the Lakers. To yes, write the book? May first okay. came. The book came out. Yeah, that's when I had retired with Kobe. Right, we both hung up the shoes. <laughs> and so from May to December, you know, I was building this business, trying to figure out who am I going to talk to, how am I going to promote the book, and I was still trying to figure out though, how am I going to get into sports? What am I going to do to break into sports? And I was like, okay, the agency is a tough way to go, and I don't know if that's really where I want to be necessarily anymore. But it was still something that I was very interested in. And so I'd gone to a pro day uh, for an agency, and it was in Florida. And a pro day is where they have their top draft prospects. It's they put all the teams Each college there. Or- so it's an agency. An agency will have, let's say, they signed you know Zion Williamson right, right for this year. Zion would put on a show for all the teams, and the teams would evaluate him and make sure you know how does his body look, how's he shooting, mm-hmm. you know can can he address some of the concerns, and how dominant is really like right. is he really? 
And so I went to a pro day where there were two first rounders and I was like, holy shit, this is incredible. And I talked with an agent friend of mine after that and I said, what if there was a way to do this though with more prospects? Not just your elite guys who already, we know they're going to be drafted, but what about the guys that maybe got overlooked? Maybe they had an issue in college. Maybe they had a transfer and the situation wasn't right. Maybe they were the sixth man, but are really the best. Or maybe they were averaging 25 at a small school, but people don't think that game can translate. What if we made an event for them? And over the course of the next five months from about January of 2017 to May, we put on this, this combine. And that was a challenge in itself trying to get, yeah. how do you get 24 players mm -hmm. to come to this event that's never happened? It's not like I've been around for 20 years and know every GM and every person in the league. Yeah, yeah. It was, teams are saying, well, what players are you going to have? And the player, the agents were saying, well, what teams are you going to get? Because I'm not going to pay money to send my guy there if there aren't going to be any teams. Yeah. And that became the chicken and the egg question. Mm -hmm. Which one comes first? And so one of the biggest things that, that made the professional basketball combine the success it is today is I think in the beginning, it was focused on two things. It was focused on being transparent and honest where I needed to be so that people knew that I wasn't trying to just BS them into coming to a made up thing. And then two, providing so much value and running it so beautifully that they would have no choice but to come back next year and the years on. And I knew that there wasn't going to be all the bells and whistles, no sponsorships, none of that stuff in year one. Year one was purely, let's execute this. Let's give the players the best opportunity to compete and get their shot and making it to the NBA. And one of our players, one of, one of the best players to come to the PBC is named Antonio Blakeney from LSU. Mm -hmm. People had him projected in the draft with Ben Simmons and everything. Ends up staying average, average of 17 points a game, but he just wasn't on everyone's draft board for some reason. He came to our event, ends up signing a two-way contract with the Chicago Bulls, now is on a guaranteed deal with them. And our event helped jumpstart that. It helped the team say, you know what, we were missing out on this guy. And that's led to him having a very successful right. uh, start to his and NBA I career. And he's helping promote, obviously, the yeah. combine as well. Yeah, and so we have guys, you know, all, all around now. We've had people come from all over the country yeah. come. We have guys playing in the G League. We have people playing all over the world now. And that's just been an incredible event and a way for me to say, you know, well, instead of being an agent, you know, I get to work with all the different agents. I got to see from all the phone calls that I made to the hundreds of agents that exist, I got to see how do people handle their business? I got to learn the, te the techniques and the trades and the secrets of what makes a successful agent. And in a way, it was basically like I was back in college doing informational interviews, seeing yeah. exactly what do I want to be? Right. Do I want to be an agent? If so, how do I want to approach my business? Because the agent world, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. Yeah. And I've realized that over time, sure, I may still want to do the agent thing and, and down the road, but what I really love is that is the joy, like I said, of, of giving people an opportunity to perform at the highest level. Right. And that's what I'm able to do for these, these athletes. That's what I'm able to do for students, for businesses. And that's, you know, we're just playing the game. Yeah. We're and so I'm really curious, like when you were um, obviously retiring and from the Lakers and writing the book, like what was the process like to get your own book out there? Like how did you promote it? How did you get people to, to buy into it? Uh, how much of it was like your effort and your work and, and like how much of it was just like the contents in the book that you just feel like were so good that um, people just adopted it and told other people about it? So I had zero idea what I was doing. Yeah. I, it's not like I went to school to write a book. It's not like I knew anyone that had written many books. But like I said, I, I talked to this mentor and he said, add this, this, and this, make it this many pages or so and get it out there. And so as I was writing it, I, I would say, you know, for me, this first book, the writing process, I was able to get the, the writing pretty done, done pretty quickly. I mean, the book's about 130 pages. Mm -hmm. And I got all the writing done, and then I was like, okay, well, now what? I need to have a title. I have no idea how to title a book that's going to be good. I started reading, like, okay, if I'm going to write a book, how am I going to market it, right? And I said, well, I don't want to just launch this book. If I'm going to launch a book, who knows if I'm going to write another one, so let's try to make this a best-selling book. Yeah. And so I studied every article to hack Amazon's programs to see how do I get my book into the new release category because that gives you additional exposure. What are the techniques and the, and the, and the strategies to, to become an Amazon bestseller in that platform? And so I spent the next three months while I had it edited and proofread because I wasn't going to do that. So I had my mom and then I hired a couple people yeah. to, to do that. I was just learning how to, how to hack the system. I was learning what can I do to get this book in as many hands as possible in the quickest way possible. And one thing led to the next and I realized um, how to do it. And as we got ready for the launch, I created a launch team. So I have people like be on your, on your ground team. So you have, you have your grassroots marketing. And then I had direct marketing where I was going directly to every person that I had. I talked to people asking if they would post about it, share about it, post it in forums, post it in you know, Facebook groups, ran special Kindle promotions. So when the day of the launch happened, everybody that could possibly know about the book knew about the book in my circle. 
And I relied solely on my circle to expand it outwards based off the relationships that I built up to that point. Yeah. There wasn't any Facebook advertisements. There wasn't anything of like, there was not big influencer marketing. I didn't do any of that stuff because partially I just didn't know how. Mm-hmm. And if I said I wanted the book to come out here, I had to just run with it. Yeah. But it was something that my dad said that gave me the confidence to put it out when I put it out. And he said, Jake, he said, look, you could keep writing it. You could keep trying to perfect it. You keep trying to do all these different things. But at a certain point, you got to just get it out because you could worry about every single detail, every single word. And, and you know what? You could always fix that. Yeah. But he said, this is the shortcut in life. He said, the shortcut in life is to start now. Because if you keep waiting, then you're going to look back and say, well, what if I just would have done it then? He said, Jake, you're not going to know what's going to come from this book, but I promise you something good is going to continue to come from this because you're putting yourself out there. You're being vulnerable. You're writing a book at a young age. Just go for it. And that's why we put it out right away. And I said that, you know what? Even though I'm not supported by a big publisher, I'm supported by myself, I'm supported by my system, and let's see what this thing can do. Yeah. So so obviously without a big like marketing budget and like book deal, like I'm sure like the book resonated with a lot of people for them to spread the word and the word of mouth and stuff. So I guess as far as like the feedback that you've gotten, like what makes like the books, obviously there's so much out there about like, you know, just motivation and elevating yourself and self-help and that that kind of stuff. But just based on the feedback that you've gotten, what, what, what do you think, what have people told you that is like, you know, that they've taken away from the book that they maybe weren't able to get from other sources? Well, here's, here's a funny one. Uh, In the first book, people were like, the font size is great. I was like, what do you, what do you mean the font size? The book. I was like, what, what do you mean the font size is great? Like, I just use regular font. Like, that's what I thought you were supposed to do. Yeah. But I guess there was different, there's different fonts. So people are like, oh, the font size is good. The other thing that I did was I, I really tried to, to write it in a way where you can, the first book specifically is you could jump chapter to chapter. Mm-hmm. But after each, after each one, there's, there's ways to implement these things in your life, right? So I give examples. I would reference it, you know, in the first book, I talk about social media and I reference The Rock, who's, an icon, right? And I'd say, look, look what he's doing. And then ask yourself X, Y, Z questions. So I made it in a way that was very practical for people to just go ahead and implement, but not in a way that people felt overwhelmed by a career book, a self-help book, but in a way that people could say, look, I'm just going to read this. I'm going to read it at my own pace. I'm going to see what I can pull from it. I'm going to use it as I go. So some people will say, hey, you know, I've got an interview coming up. I'm going to reread chapter four. Or they say, you know, I got whatever, you know, something coming up. I got to hone in on my networking skills. Or in this book, Elevate Your Network, it's every, every chapter is broken down in what I call a Kelf key. So there's 25 Kelf keys, and the number 25 comes from a friend who passed away in high school. Um, that was his number on the basketball court. So I did 25 Kelf keys, and each Kelf key is a little tip. And at the end of five, we go through, we do a recap. And that right there is one of the ways that people have really been able to resonate is because they can read it, and it's not going to overwhelm you. It's not 300 pages. It's easy to read, and you can finish each one sequentially so you feel more accomplished. Mm. So the fact of writing shorter chapters allows people to say, I can just read one or two. Boom, I'm done. I learned something new. How do I implement it? How do you elevate in action is what I call it. Mm-hmm. Is writing something that you're always good at? No. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm that great of a writer currently. But what I am is somebody that's willing to put in the work to make it great. So I didn't even like writing when I initially started to write. And I used to tell people, they're like, do you love writing? Like you've written two books. And I said, no, I didn't love writing. But what I've come to realize now is I do love writing. I do love sharing a message. I do love being able to learn how to become a better writer. And that's something that I work on every day. I mean, I write every single day in some form, whether that's my journaling, whether it's my gratitude. You know, I do this thing where I write down one positive experience within the last 24 hours to prime my brain to look for these experiences. But that all stems from, you know, being able to practice writing, learning how to use a little bit better adjectives, focusing on keywords and things like that. So, you know, I'm constantly learning how to be a better writer. But I think that that's something too that, that a lot of people hesitate to take certain action on is they're like, well, I'm not a great writer, so why should I write a book? And it's like, well, sometimes it's more about the message and the way you do it. And that's part of being your authentic self. Like I know I'm not the greatest writer in the world by any means, but I do know that the words that I put on paper sometimes can make a little bit of a difference. So that to me is more important than being a perfectionist and being an incredible writer, mm-hmm. holding me back from taking the little actions um, over time that will get me to being that type of writer. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And is, is, is your approach mostly, um, you know, for those who haven't read the books, like, is it, is it really broad so you can kind of reach as many people or, or do you get like pretty niche in, in certain things as far as like how, how people can, I know you mentioned like getting a job or getting an internship and that kind of stuff, but like how much of it is like kind of a general, 
type of book versus niche. Yeah, it's it's definitely more. Both of them are are more on the general side of things. You know, elevate beyond is definitely tailored towards people who are trying to get an internship or people trying to get a get a job out of college or people that are a few years out trying to transition. Mm-hmm. That was that was definitely the main market for that. Right. Um, this this book elevates your network that I talk about a lot. That's for really anybody trying to elevate their relationships, whether it's in life or business. Trying to give someone little keys to you know get the next podcast guest they want, get on their next show, you know get that next uh, promotion, whatever it may be. Build build a better relationship with someone that you've always been interested in, or just taking the first step of saying. I want to be a better communicator. I want to have more people in my circle. And so it's, it's a fairly general book, um, and I designed it way, that way on purpose because I wanted people from all ages to be able to pull out certain things. And so this has been, like I said, it's, you know, I bring it with, a lot, with me to a lot of my speaking engagements. So high school students have read it. Um, I've given it to public libraries for kids to read. And we've had businesses use it as well and learn things from it. So you know, I think the cool thing about books like these is you can always find something new every time you read something like this. Mm-hmm. And even if you know what's in the book, what's in the content, sometimes hearing it from a different voice or in a different way resonates with you more, mm-hmm. right? There are things that my mom has always told me, but right. until I hear it from someone else, yeah. I'm never going to listen to her, yeah, right? Yeah. Or, or, or even things that just you think about, but you don't really know, like, am I thinking like normally or am I thinking like, uh, am I completely just like going off the, you know what I'm saying? And when Absolutely. you read, and then when you read someone else, like, you know, or even here in a podcast that that person has th- had that thought too. And that person I don't know, is successful or whatever, then it validates kind of like what you were thinking. And you're like, oh, maybe I was on the right path, you know, or right track with my thought Abs- process. Absolutely. And, you know, for me, like writing the books is great. I love writing the books. We got th- book three coming up soon. We got book four coming in the works. Like I already have the plan for all those. But the thing that I'm excited about right now is I've written two books. Now we're working on our first digital course. And it's going to be a four weeks to, to elevated happiness. Mm-hmm. And that's the course that we're working on right now. So for me now being able to share the message via video, via worksheets, as opposed to book form, that's an exciting new challenge, right? Diversifying the business, diversifying the way I'm able to share a certain message, to stay with people after I speak with them. And I think that that's something that, personally for me, I'm really excited about. And I think it's going to be a great way for people to consume content, um, but for them to also be able to uh, be enlightened in a different format than you know either just a traditional podcast or even a book, because yeah. there's so much value in all these different methods of consumption. And I think that that's something that I really am trying to tap into, yeah. um, especially as I learn more about yeah. the digital space. And, and yeah. And Jake, like in, in like a, in like a world of like so much noise and like, I mean, on Instagram, like, I mean, you've seen it, like there's so many people who kind of preach similar things where, you know, they either they're selling courses or, or writing books or just like making blog, blogs or videos or whatever about, um, success, happiness, that kind of stuff. Like, how do you, how do you stand out? How do, how do you show people that, like what you have to say or offer is, I don't know, call it like more genuine or more real or more impactful or whatever it might be compared to like all these other people that are trying to do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, look, there's a lot of great people doing a lot of great things out there and we're all on the same team. Yeah. And for me, you know, when I do it, it's maybe there's somebody that doesn't follow them or has never heard of some of these people that we all know, Tony Robbins, Gary V, Tim Ferriss, whoever it may be. Right. But Maybe they only have heard me, and mm-hmm. they come from a small town. I've spoken to Wisconsin. They come from a small town, Wisconsin, and maybe I'm the only person they've been exposed to. So it's my duty. It's my responsibility to give them that hope, to share the messages that I believe in, and also, selfishly, it makes me feel good when I'm talking and being my true self. Yeah. Like I feel very good about myself when I'm being myself. And I think that that's something too, is like, I don't have to be Tony Robbins to make it. I don't have to be Brendan Burchard. I can be Jake Kelfer. And Jake Kelfer, I'm very happy to be Jake Kelfer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hope that everyone else can be happy for who they are. And we don't right. have to be what we think other people want us to be to be happy. Right. We don't have to have the certain things that we think will make us happy. We have to be ourselves. And so when you talk about all the noise and everything, great, there's a lot of noise. Yeah. But my noise is my noise, yeah. and it's going to come through, and it's a process. And 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 on that topic of noise, like, um, it, I, I'm I'm assuming, you, do you read a lot of books? Love reading. Okay, so like reading books, or just like listening to podcasts, or just educating yourself. It's it's pretty much inevitable that you're going to come across um, content that could be like conflicting with something else that you've read before where like one person says this and that worked for them and then one person says that and it's completely the opposite and that worked for them. How do you yourself um, like make that judgment of like, I know you can try it and see what works for you, but how, how, how do you stay on path? You know, how do you stay on that path of like, you know, 
practicing it and then practicing uh, preaching what you practice and you know what i'm saying yeah no yeah. for sure for sure i mean there's people all the time that say one thing say the other thing it's like well what yeah. am i supposed to do then because you said to go do this you said don't do that do this yeah. well now what the heck am i supposed to do um so for me personally I hear all of this stuff. I read every book, right? They're all saying similar things. Sometimes it's very contradictory. But for me, it's saying, okay, let me think about what success means to me in all aspects of my life and which advice is going to be the most relevant for me to try and implement. And as, as you just said, though, for me, I believe that part, part of it all is just trying it yeah. <laughs> and really seeing what works and what doesn't and then evolving it into the, the kingdom. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, my morning routine, I, I love having my morning routine. It's a combination of what everyone said. There are things that I didn't like. There are things that people said to do that I've evolved just my own ways. Right. So when I journal in the morning, I mentioned earlier, I do a positive experience recollection. So I write about one positive experience. Um, and this helps me become a better writer. It helps me focus on triggering my brain to think about things that are positive experiences because then my brain will actually look for those types of experiences. But that's what I do for my journaling, right? I don't write about grief or just random thoughts. There's intent behind it, right? When I talk about my gratitude, I list out things that I'm grateful for. And that could be um, things that are outside of my control. It could be things like having a fridge, having air conditioner uh, in my apartment, having a washer and dryer, just basic little things um, as well. So I think for me, when I take in and I soak in all this information and I think about how can I help other people absorb it better, I say, you got to be you. You got to just do the thing and you got to try to enjoy it because mm -hmm. we can spend all this time reading all these books, but if you're not willing to enjoy what you're reading, trying what you're reading, then why are you reading in the first place? Right. Because everyone else says you should read because you're going to be smarter. Okay, yeah. great. But that doesn't do anything. Mm -hmm. You have to take that action and you have to have fun right. in the game of life. Right. And Jake, going off of this whole, you know, this exact topic of like, you know, actually doing what you read or consume or whatever, right? So, you know, when we threw out names like Gary Vee or, you know, Tony Robbins or whatever it may be, and Pat knows how I feel about this, there's a point where, you know, I enjoyed their content. And then I'm just like, I'm, I'm done with you, right? Like it was like a month, you know, because Gary Vee is just the same message over and over and right. over and over and over. I mean, just like the same thing. And the reason why was I was like, okay, I understand what you're saying. You know, you're right. Now I need to do it, right? It, or else I'm just hearing you yelling at me. Right. right. It's like listening to Bernie Sanders like all the time. He's just yelling about problems and like nothing's really right, happening. Right. Again, that's my political bias. Anyways, <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of just constantly telling people what to do. I want people to actually do it, like encouraging them to do it, showing them how to do it. How do you make sure that, you know, whether it's through the books or whether it's through the speaking, you know, and I, I think I, I genuinely believe that you want, you know, impact, right? And I think impact comes from doing, not only like knowing what to do. How can you encourage people through your speaking, through your writing, through the thing that, things that you're doing to actually do it, right? Like, what are the steps that Pat, myself, random strangers need to take to actually put words into motion, right? To actually go out and build relationships, to maintain those relationships, to take those relationships to the next level. It's, you know, everybody could say it, but how can, how can you really help people, coach people into actually doing it? I think going along the journey with them. Right? This, is, this is the journey, and we're all on the journey. So let's make that journey great. The question is how, right? So what I think is really important for, for people is when I share this message or I encourage someone to do something, I show me doing it. So just this past month, I was in NBA Summer League. I was in Las Vegas for 21 days. 21 days in Las Vegas, that, it's a lot. Mm. And one of my, one of my Two goals- Two days in Las Vegas is a lot. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, depending on how you do it, right? Yeah, how you do it, yeah. And I, I, said, I said our goal, 4,000 push-ups, by the time I'm done in Vegas. That was the goal. And I put that on social media, so I had my accountability. But what I also did was I started doing them throughout the day. People started to join in on them. I said, you don't have to do 4,000, but why don't you do 10 with me today? And by the end, we had people that did 500. We had, we had 10 people finishing the last 20 with me. So when you talk about how do you actually implement it, it's got to show people that you're willing to put yourself out there, that you're willing to do what you're talking about. I could talk, I could preach, I could be about podcasts every day. But if I'm not out there living what I'm saying, then there's no point. So one of the things that we're also doing is figuring out, you know, okay, books are great, but sometimes you need a little bit something extra. So have you guys ever seen the show Impractical Jokers? Yeah, I love that show. So Impractical Jokers, I love that show. I think it's so funny. And what I did, what I'm, we're going to be doing coming this fall is we're actually going to be creating a mini uh, Instagram TV, uh, TV show based on Impractical Jokers with the idea of doing these funny little skits and pranks, but to teach authentic connection. How do you deal with rejection when I go up into a group of models and I'm like, hey, what do you guys want to go out? And they're going to be like, 
And maybe I'll get a yes, you know, that'd be great, but maybe I'll get a no. And it's like, okay, well, here's the lesson. And so it's being able to put yourself in situations that most people would never do in order to get something that you want them to have. So, you know, when you say, you know, Gary Vee hammers home the messaging, how do we actually make that happen, right? And for me, it's like, I'm going to go on this journey with you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try something. I'm going to give it to you in a way that's real, but it's a a way that's achievable. And it's not going to happen overnight. But maybe one prank that we're going to do is going to be like, that's hilarious. And then I'm going to have a message behind it. And you're going to be like, I can do it. I can gather the courage to go do X, Y, Z, to talk to a stranger at a networking event, to give a stranger on the street a high five, mm-hmm. to smile at my parents more, to tell my boss that I respect them more. All these little things, sometimes just got to do it. And the way you do it is by having people show you the ropes and guiding you along. You guys have had incredible people on this podcast, right? And I'm sure you've gotten tons of incredible advice and your listeners all over the world have gotten incredible advice. And so, and so they've probably been able to, and you guys have probably implemented these things along the way. Mm-hmm. You didn't start out with having this equipment, yep. but you learned from the people and then you started to see, okay, this is, this is what we're going to do. Now look at this setup. I mean, it's incredible and you guys do an incredible job, but it all stems from having people not only tell you what to do, but actually do it with you and right. seeing that in action. Mm-hmm. Because when you see someone else doing it, you believe that you can actually do it as well. Absolutely. And that's something that, that I think is really important for people to understand is if you feel stuck, see somebody doing it, know that you can do it. Mm-hmm. Not everybody started where they were. You guys didn't start having this incredible podcast. You started with an incredible yeah. idea and you laid the groundwork over time. We literally time. had the shittiest mic of all time. And you started, and now, <laughs> now it's an incredible thing. Yeah. And I think that that's how people have to approach life is we see these people that are like overnight successes or so we mm-hmm. think, mm-hmm. right? But there's a lot of work that goes into this. Yeah. And I was just thinking the other day, I was thinking about some of the people that I look up to the most. And I said, well, you know, where were they at at 26 years old? What were they doing? You know, Mark Cuban's a great example of this, where he would just, you know, go to every happy hour he could while he would work, go to every happy hour he could, party his ass off, and then read when he was hungover the next day. You know, I look you at... Read, uh, uh, How to Win uh, at the Sport of Business? Yep. Amazing book. Yep, amazing, amazing book. book. I, look at, I look at people, too, that are also younger or, or older than me, but, but in the younger space. Jake Casson of Movement, Blake Pinsker of Movement, Brandon Cohen of Liquid IV. These are guys that are young, hungry, that have built massive empires. And it's by saying, okay, well... What did they do when they started? And then following that journey. And I think that's something that we have to really think about is there's always this journey, this process of consistent evolution in order for personal growth. Yeah. And I think that that's something that we have to always keep in mind is as we want to get to where we want to go, we have to start by listening, learning, and implementing. Mm-hmm. And you know, you asked us before the podcast going off at this point about you know who our favorite guest was or any of the surprises or whatever. And you know, at this point, we're close to 100 plus guests. I don't remember what number we're Something like that. Yeah, yeah something like that. Um, and, you know, that's a tough question, obviously, to answer. But the one thing that, you know, I think that Pat and I both, both agree on is the most surprising thing is that we are surprised at, and this is not in a negative sense, but the fact that none of these people are absolutely extremely special. They're just exactly the way you and I are. They were motivated. They had an idea. They did it. That's it. That's what made that's what that's what made them special. It's I not think, like I think every, I think each special. person uh, has that one thing that like helps them, like whether it's like a relationship or something yeah. that happens, or you know, like a a, a, a point of luck or something. Right. But it, everyone has something too, right? It's it's just it's like, the, like I think the consistencies, like he's saying, is like they were just inspired, they were motivated, and they just did they did it. They yeah. just didn't sit around yeah. and and ponder on it. They just like put it out there. Yeah. So yeah. maybe um, one of them just. Maybe had some Paul Rodriguez had like special talent, but you know, he it's was true. just skateboarding. He's a, he's a pretty good. But even but even then, like you know, you take you know you take that for example, right? Like you, there are a lot of great skateboarders that are young skateboarders. None of them, perhaps, imagine that they can be one of the best skateboarders of all time, right? Like it's that mindset. No, nobody actually goes out and puts themselves in those positions and competes, right? So a lot of people have talents, skills special sauce or whatever you may want to call it but it's more so putting it out there like you know kind of like you said i just want to put my book out there now like it might have not been the greatest thing in the world at that moment for you but you just did it you know the second book was even better third book i'm sure is gonna be better than that fourth book is gonna be better than the first three right but you're building off of that and no one uh, no one's gonna know you're gonna be your harshest critic like pat and i are our harshest critics when it comes to this show like we talked he was just telling me in the car like 30 people came up to him recently talking about our most recent episode right like which is crazy so when we started off, that was never the goal, but it more, the more you put yourself out there in any situation, like even if the feedback is negative, it's going to eventually turn into a positive thing because you're never going to get that negative feedback again. 
You're gonna be like, holy shit, like that happened, that was negative. I'm not gonna do that again. I'm not gonna do it in that way. I'm gonna change it up. I'm gonna do something differently. So I think that you know, even just kind of this show and the conversations we have, it's more so that we put out these examples of success, of happiness, of wealth, and etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's kind of like, hey, you know, like we're not telling you what to do. You go out and be inspired on your own, like, and that's kind of a motto that Pat and I have. Is I like, yeah, I don't wanna, think you like, can. I don't think yeah. when it comes to those topics, you can tell what people what yeah. to do because yeah. it's just it's just uh, it's it's to each their own, right? right. Like happiness means something different. Yeah. Success means something different. Yeah. It's just like how can you get them on a path to get to that point where they feel like they're successful and happy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So so you, so you're writing the, the third book. I think yes. you mentioned the fourth book too. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know you have the combine and you have the speaking gigs. Is that, is that kind of where your time is spent between those three things, or is there yeah. anything more? Yeah, that. that's that's where most of my time is spent. I do some work with a, with a great sports marketing agency as well. Oh, that's right. Um, down in uh, down in Newport Beach, uh, which is awesome. I get to learn from some really great people. How, do, um, how does that work? Like, do they just kind of bring you in to talk to like a bunch of folks, or so? How, I, so I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the team. I'm on the oh, team. Um, you know, I'll come in, work like everyone, anyone else at a, at a normal job. But you know, this this is an incredible team. Um, very close team. I've been able to do some work with them off and on since I was an intern in college. That's how I got introduced to them. And they're great people. And so I've wanted to always make sure I keep them in, in my life in some capacity. And it's turned into some great mentorships, some great friendships, mm-hmm. and great learning experiences. And is this like um, kind of like agency work where like you're like doing the business side of things? Or are you mo- mostly, mostly working with the, the talent itself? It's it's a little bit of everything. So so the sports marketing agency, we do everything from talent management to podcasting to video production to graphic design to web development to everything to to building audiences, whatever it may be. Um, and so, so some of the people that we work with is like NBA Summer League. So the, gotcha. the founder of this sports marketing agency, his name's Albert Hall, and he's a co-founder of NBA Summer League. And so we handle a lot of the production. I work directly under the, the head of the digital. So mm-hmm. the person that runs all of the digital, all of the advertising, all the marketing. Um, and so I work with them and, and the team on building all that out. And so that's, that's an incredible experience because for me, it's one of those things where I'm able to really learn mm-hmm. in a thriving company and um you know when you work by yourself too sometimes you can be a little lonely totally so this is a great way for me to learn from great people get great experience be able to to continue to build more brands um while also being able to do what i love and building my businesses to the level that i believe i'm capable of getting them to Mm -hmm. so that's kind of how it all comes so is that one kind of like a full-time job like you're working that one during the days and then writing at night no 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 so i i I work with them i work with them it, it changes. It's fluid. It's very yeah. fluid. Um, you know, That's pretty it's, cool. It's it's a unique. It's a very yeah. unique opportunity. But I set it up in a way um, to where my full time job is the combine, the speaking, the books, and then I also have work with them. Right. Yeah. So you know, you could say part time, full time, full time, part time. But it's it's we get work done. Yeah. And whatever I got to do to make that happen, that's that's how I structure the day. Yeah. And um, what do you what do you do when you're not doing those those things? Like you're not writing. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you have writer's <laughs> block, or just you want to take a break and like you know you don't have work to do. And what else do you go do? play basketball? Okay. I do some. I go find some form of physical challenge. So this month is we're in August. I just set my goal of doing fifteen hundred pull ups this month, okay. which. Uh, it's going to be a don- it's a daunting task for me, uh, but I just got the pull up bar it's sitting right next to me. I got it up before. Um, so, so, you know, I, I love doing physical activities. I love going out with friends, grabbing a drink, you know, getting some good food. Um, but I, you know, I just have fun. I love deep conversations, man. There's, there's something really great to me about, you know, getting on, going down a rabbit hole of having a good conversation with somebody talking yeah. about the real things, you know, because I think we spend so much of our time either talking about work or we spend so much of our time talking yeah. about sports or whatever that sometimes I just want to know, like, how you doing? Yeah. I want to know, like, how's life? You know, what's, what's the family like? What are some of your ambitions? What are you most excited about yeah. in this world? And I, and I think when you can have enlightening conversations like that, it kind of builds that connection with other people, but it also just makes life a little bit more fun. And, you know, we, we need connection. We really need connection, and uh, you know, I was just talking to my buddy this morning. He lives in Florida, one of my best friends, and we were just talking about literally just nothing, but yet everything at the same time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it was just so powerful because it just reminded me, like, this is life, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can choose whatever you want to do with it. Spend your time however you want to do with it. You can work eighty hours a week, sleep three hours a night. You can work twenty hours a week. You can do whatever you want to do. But you got to enjoy everything. And like having a conversation like that was just the greatest thing ever. This guy, he's on his ninth year of getting his doctorate at the University of Florida. He's been there for like nine years, like I just said. And I mean, we, we just had a great conversation. It just reminded me of the simplicities in life. And I think that for me, you know, having those things like that's that's what I love doing. Mm-hmm. I love having fun. Um, I love, I'm in a dominoes phase. So I actually like playing competitive dominoes right now. Wow. Keep keep the mind sharp. Um 
Also, I love, like I said earlier, I love math. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to beat the calculator now. So I'm trying to do random math problems and trying to get faster than somebody else can type it in a calculator. It's uh, definitely a work in progress, but little things like that, just I like to keep my mind sharp and just have a little bit of fun. But uh, everything I do, I want to enjoy, whether that be work, whether it be whatever. Like, you know, and that's what I'm so grateful for is I have a job that enables me. I have a passion. I have a purpose that, that enables me to be able to say, you know what? I want to take, I want to take an hour-long lunch today to catch up with somebody yeah. that I haven't had a chance to talk with. That's great. And then guess what? I'll stay up until late at, late, in, late at night or I'll get up even earlier the next morning. And, you know, for me, that's how I want to choose to live my life, to enjoy every single day. Not to live life like it's my last day every single day, but to enjoy life to the fullest and think about, you know, where I'm going to be because when I'm all done here, I want to look back and say I lived. Yeah. I lived and I had the greatest time ever and that I'm so grateful yeah. to just have that that ideology. Right. And currently. and you are so young still and you still have a lot to like, you know, do. So I guess sure. uh, you know, as much as you can see forward like what what does the next like 10 years look like for you? Like is this something that you want to continue to like write books and speak or or is that leading up to something even I don't know, bigger or I don't know, whatever you're imagining, like, what do you, what do you see it leading to? I think, I think to me, you know, and this is something that I write down every single morning, but one of, one of the greatest ambitions I have is, you know, in that in 10 years to be an internationally known speaker, impacting millions of lives on a daily basis. Um, and being able to host my own events mm. where I can bring together the people that I've looked up to my entire life. I can bring together the next generation and we can, we can put on our own event and we can have incredible success. Similarly, like I said, to, to a Tony Robbins style-esque event, like that to me is one of the greatest joys that I that I'm currently striving for and you know when you say five to ten years I see that but probably probably outside of you know the career side of things the biggest thing for me in life the biggest thing for me in life is going to be um, when I find the future Mrs. Kelfer mm. and uh, we we have a family and that to me is going to be the most important thing in the world for me is doing everything I'm doing now future Mrs. To, Kelfer if you're listening <laughs> yeah yeah future Mrs. <laughs> Kelfer if you're listening call me <laughs> but but you know, for me, like that to me is, is the most important thing to be a loving father and husband. Yeah. And that's, that's my everything. Um, so I do everything that I'm currently doing now to set myself up for a position where I can do that and be there for my, for my kids when I have them. I mean, my dad, he never missed a single game in my career. Yeah. And he coached. And I think about that all the time. Like, that's so cool. Yeah. And my mom, she was at every game that she could. She sometimes had to work late, so she couldn't do it. But and just and now LeBron's there. getting heat for that. I don't. I don't get that. Yeah, yeah. Come on, LeBron's. LeBron's, LeBron's the man. He might be dunking here and there, but that's because he can. Not many dads can dunk, but he can. Yeah, he's getting <laughs> the layup lines. You know, I don't think I'm gonna be in layup lines, yeah. but you know, I'll be there. I'll yeah. be cheering. I'll be heckling. You know, I'll be doing whatever we gotta do, but it, I'll be there supporting, showing encouragement. But I think, I think that you know, when I say five to ten years, you know, I'm 26. You know, I'll be hopefully knee deep. You know, getting the family started. Um, you know, being being a home. And just enjoying, enjoying the ride. In due time, in due time. Well, this has been awesome, man. Love your energy. Yeah. Uh, thanks for sharing your story with us, and all the best to you. Uh, looking forward to to grabbing your book, and I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but and we'll make sure you it. get a coffee. Love it, man. Thank yeah, you. So, thanks yeah, appreciate you guys. <laughs>